Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Screen Streets. I am Joel. I'm here with my friend Cameron, and we are here to talk about movies from the past, present, and future. And uh, just a reminder, our email address is screenstreets at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments or requests for us. And uh, yeah, that does it for the, for the intro. What, uh, what are you up to, Cameron? Yeah, I'd just like to remind people that there's also Screen Streets podcast on Facebook. That'd be cool if someone could join up on there. And uh, other than that, I'm not up to much, sir. Just chilling. Just finished uh, the show we're going to talk about later, Cobra Kai. So I'm ready to talk. Excellent. I am also ready. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty slow week in my neck of the woods. A little kind of craziness in the news, but we're here to provide a little bit of levity, a little bit of escape from that. So yeah. Try to have some fun tonight. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, hopefully have a little fun. I also just wanted to address that I know there's been some audio issues I don't know if people even know because it just sounds like I'm kind of interrupting my buddy Joel here because my audio comes through a few seconds early. I'm not doing that on purpose, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to fix that in the future. Right on. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just jump into things, jump into some word on the street. And uh, right. word on the street, speaking of uh, the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai... Uh, Ralph Macchio was on The Tonight Show the other night, and he mentioned that The Karate Kid initially had a different title. Have you heard about this? You know, I think I saw the headline, but I didn't click the article, so I don't know the title. (laughs) It originally had a different title, and it's bad. Like, I don't know if The Karate Kid would be an enduring classic if it had this title. Like, the uh, the Karate Kid's working title that was on the script that they were working on was titled East Meets West in West. That was, that was the original title of The Karate <laughs> Kid, is East Meets West in West. That does not roll off the tongue. No, imagine what Karate Kid Part 2 would have been called. Like, the Karate East meets West in West Part 2. East meets West in West in East. In East. (laughs) That's a rough title, man. Then Part 3 would be Back West. West again. Like, it's it's a bad one. I was just like, how how did that even break through any of the top brass to be like, yeah, East meets West and West. I get it. Yeah, that lived up to my expectations of bad because when I saw the title, I was like, I mean, come on, The Karate Kid's not a great title. It's kind of it, silly. but It works. It, it's a great it, title to me because it's a great movie, I guess. Like, if it was a shit movie, yeah. I probably wouldn't enjoy it. Well, I mean, if it was the same movie as East meets West in West... <laughs> It's still, you know, same movie. Yeah. So that was, they kind of poked fun at that, just saying, like, it probably wouldn't be the enduring classic it is if it was called East Meets West in West. 
No. But uh, I can't also, imagine. word on the street is that Rowan Atkinson, the uh, portrayer of Mr. Bean, the beloved character Mr. Bean, is over it. Like, he, he stated in an interview that he wants this character to die. That, no. it, that it is a huge responsibility that no one understands. It is very stressful and exhausting to be Mr. Bean. And I kind of related, almost. Like, I kind of understood because I'm just, like, I thought about it from his perspective and like, he's like, it's basically a character for babies, like a character, just a slapstick, goofy character for kids. Cause I watched him when I was a kid. Yeah. And I'm like, imagine like he has to straight act the fool for all these like kids that are like, it's Mr. Bean. He's like, ah, goddamn. Like I gotta be Mr. Bean now and just make stupid faces at this kid. So he's he's ready for it to die, but apparently there's like an animated Mr. Bean movie coming out, and he's just like, well, it's it's an easier character to portray vocally compared to physically. But yeah, I felt bad for him. I was just like, I imagine like the burden of like everyone is like it's Mr. Bean, and you have to act like a dipshit on command. Yeah, I I loved Mr. Bean as a kid. I don't. He doesn't have to act like Mr. Bean in, in person, does he? I mean, I guess he like could it, just that's his responsibility. Like he takes it seriously. I guess like it's like if you went up to like Robert Downey Jr. on the street and he pretended to be Iron Man for your kid, like that's just the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that would be cool of him to do. He could just be an asshole though, and be like, yeah. "Oh, it's Mr. Bean," and Rowan Atkinson's like, "Fuck out of here, kid." I don't know why, but, like, I read that article, and I actually, like, I never am, like, oh, like, I'm always, like, fucking shut up. Like, you are making lots of money off this character. Like, get over it. But I just imagined, like, because it's such a weird character to just pull out and do. (laughs) Like, so just to imagine, like, kids on the street are, like, bean, and he's, like, 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 he takes it seriously, and that's kind of commendable that he's like, these kids adore me, so I'm going to, I'm not going to, like, it's like Santa Claus. You don't want to just be like, ah, I'm not Santa Claus. This is a fake beard. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Bean, I can't even imagine how that would work as a vocal performance. Mr. Bean's not a very talkative character. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, does he like just go he in that booth and go, hmm, yeah. oh, hey. I'm sure. Like, because, yeah. He's not, he, may, he he communicates in like grunts and kind of just animal noises almost. Yeah. But like, I do remember like, that's an enduring character, man. Because like, I do remember watching him as a child. I do like, too. And I'm 41. So he's been doing that character for a long, long time. Yes, And it's still just, that's his enduring legacy. Like, he's done these other movies and other roles. Like, he will always be Mr. Bean. And he's just, he's kind of done with it. Like, he's like, why don't people ask me to be Johnny English? Yeah. He's a, yeah, it's it's a hard one to escape because he's got a, a very distinct face. He's not one of those people that can blend in with the crowd.
Yeah, it's like Jim Carrey kind of makes those rubbery faces and Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, just kind of has that rubbery face to begin with and he makes it even crazier. Yeah, Mr. Bean. So a kid comes up to me and has to go, ooh, hey, hmm. So I don't know, that's a good point. Like the uh, the animated movie, like I'm sure like he's just in that booth doing like grunts and noises because he doesn't really speak, yeah. You'll say the odd word or something, but yeah, he's not much of a talker, Mr. Yeah, Bean. Out of, out of nowhere, he'll just be like, potato chip. Yeah. Like, all right. Good yeah, old Bean. I, I felt bad for him. I was just like, I imagine, like, if you're a character actor and take your enduring character seriously, so, like, to not break the facade for the kids that enjoy your work, that would be a stressful and exhausting experiment he's just upset that mr bean is the one that went through after all you know he's in all those old english comedy shows black adder or whatever like yeah how come nobody wants to see this character it's always mr bean like the dumbest character because it's for kids he's he's a good dumbass like he he made that shit work he did uh, also, word on the street is that Dexter, the television show Dexter, is coming back for a reboot, <laughs> and they've they've uh, cast their big bad for the season. Yeah. And if if anyone knows anything about Dexter, you know that show it's only as good as its villain. Because yeah. like its its best season was season four with John Lithgow as. Arthur Mitchell, the Trinity Killer, and he was amazing in that role. I think he won like the Emmy and the Golden Globe for that role. Like he was incredible. And then to go from that to like Colin Hanks and like it's just what's her name from Chuck? Uh, I can't the like the tall blonde. Yvonne Strahovski. Yeah, Yvonne Strahovski. Strahovski. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't yeah, either. Her. Like, it's just no one could match up after that point. So, like, the season just went downhill. But they've cast the big bad for the Dexter reboot, and I'm kind of into it. Like, he's never had, like, a huge role, but anytime he's in something, he's felt. And I enjoy his presence as, like, kind of an evil character. And that is uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown is fantastic, yeah. From, uh, like, he's, like, the sadistic guard from the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Like, he was in Lost. He was really good in that. Like, he does the voice of Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. He does so many animated voices. Like, you go on his IMDb, and it's, like, 200-some just animated shows. He's a voice actor guy now, mostly. But I, I, that piqued my interest. I was like, Clancy Brown's pretty dope. Like, I would like to see him as, like, like I guess, like, kind of, if you followed Dexter, spoiler alert, the show kind of ended with him getting away with everything and becoming, like, a lumberjack. <laughs> and, like, the new series takes place in the town that he ended up in, and Clancy Brown is kind of, like, the unofficial mayor of that town who has, like, a sinister underbelly. Okay. And Dexter kind of catches on to that, and he becomes his new target. Yeah, um, I'm not 
I loved the first four seasons of Dexter and then it went downhill. And then the last season just, it went so far downhill, it dug a pit and took a crap yeah. in that pit. So it's not like the, they... la- the last season was the borderline satire of Dexter. The, the real big bad of the last season was a treadmill that destroyed hmm. Dexter's son. His, his, his son that fell down and became an adult for a couple of seconds. Yeah. But so it's not like I'm not super excited, but at the same time, it's not like they can go any lower. So I would watch well, it. The, and... big, the big bad for those last couple seasons was kind of uh, what's her name? La Guerta. I guess because she was she was she was on to it. She was on to Dexter. She was on to Deborah, and just kind of like they were like, how are we going to get rid of her now? Well, spoilers. I think she got killed in like the seventh season and then the last season was them the last couple seasons was them dealing with that i think okay yeah it's it's a blur to me those last few seasons are like a blur because the first ones were so good that like those last ones were were forgettable to me yeah i think seasons one two and four in particular were fantastic and like season five with like julia styles and johnny lee miller as like the motivational speaker killer like it was awful it wasn't good so i'm 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 kind of stoked to see clancy brown come to the series like he's he's a really good bad guy yeah he is um did you ever see the hbo show carnival carnivale i i wasn't into it like i tried and it wasn't for me oh it was for me it was a weird like trippy show but anyway clancy brown is the main antagonist in that and he kills it maybe i'll give it another shot i didn't know that i guess i remember that little little weird guy on the show put me off so much and i was like i don't want to look at that guy that's kind of mean i well it was i can't help it i saw him and i was like i don't like him he's creepy He's a good guy. The 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 midget like ringleader guy. He's a he's a good guy, man, in the show. But anyway. Uh, perhaps I'll give it another whirl. I really enjoy that show. But unfortunately it only went one season and just you think there's gonna be more stuff and no. Canceled. Yeah, there's a few HBO shows like that. Like The Deuce was one, and Vinyl was another one that I really liked that only went for like one season. Yeah. It's... You never know kind of what's going to take off over at HBO. Because all of it's pretty quality. Like, it's all very high quality stuff. Usually, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what we have for Word on the Street this week. Word on the Streets. That brings us to For Your Consideration, in which Cameron and myself each pick a movie for the other that we have seen, that we enjoy, that the other person has not seen, and see what they think of it. Yes. And uh, I'm going to let you start off, Cameron. All right. Uh, This week, you had me watch Netflix's, I believe, right? Um, Yeah. Fundamentals of Caring, starring Paul Rudd. And it's a story of Paul Rudd plays Ben, and he's in kind of a, a bad place in his life at the start, and he gets this job as a, as a caregiver, someone who just takes care of people who can't take care of themselves. And he works for this kid 
is a like has muscular dystrophy or something like that. Uh, the kid Trevor, and he's in a wheelchair and he needs him to wipe his butt and all this other stuff. And Trevor's kind of a dickhead. He's he's funny, but he's he's just he's always kind of a dickhead. But Trevor has these like dreams of seeing these places, like just weird roadside attractions, nothing really special, like roadside attractions kind of near them, but he doesn't ever leave the house. So then eventually Ben and Trevor do go on this road trip and it's like a road trip comedy for the most part. And it's really good. And they meet a dot, a girl played by Selena Gomez. Who's like this foul mouthed kind of snarky girl. And it's it's an adventure, and they go on their adventures, and it's a pretty heartwarming piece, and I liked it quite a bit. I thought you would. like. I picked it for you, like, not just because I like it, because I actually thought you would like it. It's a good movie. Like, it's just a, yeah, like a really, like, heartwarming, kind of, like, coming-of-age road story. Yeah, and like we talked about last week with uh, Ryan Reynolds, Paul Rudd's another one of those leading guys who just has a ton of personality, has a ton of charisma, who can carry a yeah, movie like this. Sure. Like when he's when he's trying to get Trevor to try a Slim Jim, he's just like, you want a little bite of the James? <laughs> <laughs> like, a little bite of Jim? A little bite of the James, will you? Yeah, you wonder. He's, just, he's funny, he cracks me up. He's a funny dude. Yeah, you wonder if any of that is like ad libs because that's how Judd Apatow works with those guys. Just lets them kind of go. And Pud, Paul Rudd seems like a pretty genuinely funny dude. And then Trevor at finally like builds up the courage to ask Dot out on like a date to like the the diner across the street from the hotel they're staying at. Yeah. And Trevor's just been playing all these pranks on Ben the whole time, just like like awful pranks, like I'm dying, come help me. And he finally is just like, Oh, I gotta help him and then he's like, Haha, I'm not dying. And it's just like these cruel pranks to your caregiver to pretend that you're not okay. Yeah. And so like while they're kinda getting ready for this date. Like, Ben is just like, oh, shit, like, I, I forgot your medication at the other fucking hotel. And he's like, I need that to live. Like, are you like, what is this? And he's like, I like, I'll call a pharmacy. Like, I'm, he's like, you idiot, you're fucking moron. Like, I'm going to die because you're an idiot. And then he's like, oh, they're here. I have them. And it's a joke. <laughs> and Trevor's like, you really like think that's a cool idea to do, like, right before my first date ever. And he's like, well, I just thought it'd be funnier. And he's like, you're right, it is. Yeah. Like, it was, just, it, it was a good movie, man. I dug it. It was pretty good. Like, 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 one of the roadside attractions is, like, the world's biggest bovine. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's upstairs. Like, we don't have handicap access. And, and like, they cause a fit and get, like, the people that work there to, like, carry his wheelchair up the stairs. And they just sit there and look at this cow for, like, ten seconds and are like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And they just carry him back downstairs. Like, I don't know, I thought it was a fun take on, like, a coming-of-age movie because it's just, like, this guy hasn't really had a chance to come of age because he's been, like, trapped in his house his whole life. And, like, this is his, like, first chance to, like, see the world. And he's kind of with his 
wisecracking caregiver who's just a lot of fun to like their relationship is a lot of fun to watch yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotions at play there's a pretty devastating subplot throughout the movie that Paul Rudd's son had died like it was a yeah. freak accident like his son had released the parking brake and then ran behind the car that wasn't that was sad to see yeah but then there was also the the plot where they picked up this uh pregnant lady who had broken down on the side of the road and then by the end of the movie uh Paul Rudd ends up having to like emergency deliver this baby at the bottom of the world's largest pit so yeah, yeah. it was it was it was it was fun fun is the word I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like, I thought you would, because I know you really like Paul Rudd, and it's, like, a, just a really charming Paul Rudd movie. It was charming. I'm glad they kept that charm. I thought it, they kind of swerved you at the last second. They made it kind of seem like Trevor had died. Yeah. Paul Rudd was writing his story. It was like, and he fell down, and he was on his side, and then it was like, he was kidding, of course. I was like, oh, good. I didn't want this movie to end with a dick punch. <laughs> I didn't want it to end yeah. like uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where you're like, this is a fun movie. And then he's like, by the way, my wife left me and all this crap. Or died. Didn't like it. I don't like it. It was fun. I don't like it dick punches fun. at the end of movies. I'll try, to, I'll try to keep the dick punches to a minimum. All right, man. I appreciate right, so what that. What would you give it? Fundamentals of Caring? I give it a um, 7.5. I was going to say 7.5 as well. Nice. See, we have it's a like lot a of agreements. Fun little, fun little coming of age movie if you're into those. Fun road trip comedy if you're into those. Fun Paul Rudd movie if you're into those. Like, it checks all the boxes. Yeah, it's a good watch. It's a good watch. And for me, you had me watch Studio Ghibli's. Princess Mononoke, yeah. which is, ugh, I've been dreading the synopsis because it's, it's a hard movie to describe. You can just kind of give a real overview and we can discuss it. Yeah. All right, I will. It Like, it's about this guy named Ashitaka, yeah. who, like, this demon comes into their town, like, this crazy-looking demon who looks like he's built of, like, red maggots yeah. just comes and takes over the town and Ashitaga kills this demon and in the process of that he gets like infected in his arm or like a curse takes over his arm and when he's like talking to the town's like wise woman she's like well like this will make you strong like this this curse or whatever is going to give you superhuman strength but it's also going to kill you shortly <laughs> he's like oh shit <laughs> like, that's not good yeah. but she's like there's like if you go into the forest there's a chance you can find this like forest spirit who can heal you so he's like alright so he goes like off on a quest into the forest to find this spirit and on the way, he meets this kind of warrior chick named San, 
who was raised by wolves and like so she's hella cool with the wolves and like rides with wolves everywhere and she's like just a badass like scary like feral chick yeah who like just kills people and drinks their blood and she's just hardcore and like he kind of falls for her somewhat and like she kind of falls for him and they go off together to like find this forest spirit that can help take this curse off of him and so that's kind of the movie is like their quest to find this spirit that can help him yeah in so many ways yeah and there's like all these little like weird ghosts in the forest that kind of like give him visions of like the spirit it's like these weird little creepy creepy little guys with like heads that turn around and like rattle around with like the noise of a rattle like their heads will spin and you'll just hear like <laughs> yeah was... and i'm like like it's creepy it creeps there's a lot out. of creepy stuff in it man the uh the boars, the the main one played by Keith David, the blind boar, but he's like he can see through, you know, his whatever, his spirit. He's a creepy looking dude. When they get infected and all those little maggots are running all over him, that's super creepy. The spirit of the forest itself is this creepy ass looking thing. Yeah, it's like a deer that like they like decapitate at the end and like he just turns into like a plague that just destroys their whole town yeah but like i don't know full disclosure like i don't usually give anime a shot because i've watched enough of it that i'm like this is not for me like i'm not i don't care like when i think of anime and like this is my ignorance. This is sheer my ignorance because I don't ever give it a shot, yeah. really. Like, when I think of anime, I think of, like, Dragon Ball yeah. Z and Naruto and, like, Pokemon and, like, all, like, the big, like, shit that you see everywhere. Like, that's what I think of when I think of anime. So, it's not for me. Like, whenever I watch a second of Dragon Ball Z, it's like one of them with their mouths wide open and their eyes bulging going, yeah! <laughs> and like all the light shooting off of their body and I'm like, this is weird. I'm this isn't Yeah, weird. I've always I've always <laughs> been right there with you the same exact page and it was only very recently when uh, HBO Max popped up that I saw Studio Ghibli and I knew that these films were very revered. And in particular, the films made by Hayao Miyazaki. So I'm like, I kind of want to go through and watch these just to see, you know, what the big deal is about. So I went through and watched every Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film. And I thought Princess Mononoke was by far my favorite. So that's why I chose it for you. Just because it it was the one I liked. It was I thought it was really good personally. Yeah, like I was saying, the uh, so I've had this like bias against anime for just a long time. Like I don't really give it a shot. I'm like, if there's other things to watch, I will watch. Them. Yeah. And so, like, you kind of forced me to watch this, and I don't know, man. Like, it was dope. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Like it was <coughs> the animation style really threw me. Like I wasn't ready for how cool it looked. Yeah. Because I'm used to, like I said, the Dragon Ball Z, the Pokemon, just wide-eyed, wide-mouthed kind of weirdness. And it was very realistic. Like, like I'm used to, like, when I see, like, animals and animated films, like Disney and stuff like that. Like, when you see, like, like Pumbaa, perfect example. Like, Pumbaa in The Lion King is just this big, fat smiley wide-eyed warthog yeah but then you see like the warthogs in this movie and they look like straight out of the zoo like they're drawn like a fucking warthog that just happens to talk and it looked cool that way and the wolves look super like just wolves would act and look yeah and i'm like it didn't look cartoony it looked like just it was drawn but it was drawn very realistically and i enjoyed that i liked looking at that yeah, I thought the animation was was pretty awesome overall. I think it was. It was super. It awesome. had me in the first like couple minutes when that that demon appeared with like like you said like the writhing maggots all over it. It's like a warthog with the maggots just running all over its body, and it looks impressive as hell. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like literally that first like five minutes of the movie that happened, and I was like, "Whoa, this looks hella cool!" Like I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, and like I, I was almost expecting like because like another reason like again sheer ignorance like I haven't watched these Studio Ghibli films is like it always seemed like everyone loves them so much, so it's like I felt this level of like pretension. That wasn't even really there. It was like self-imposed by me. I'm like, oh, these pretentious flicks that everyone loves. Like, I don't want to watch that. And so, like, actually sitting down watching it, like, I, I was expecting like a anime version of like a Disney movie, right? Because even like the title, Princess Mononoke, I'm like, oh, it's about a princess. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Okay. So like you like you told me to watch that and I was like, "Ah, oh, this fucking princess movie. All right." But it was like the princess in the movie is like a savage. Like she's like who's the most badass Disney princess? Like Mulan? Like San would fucking destroy oh, yeah. Mulan. So I'm like, yeah, it was that was another thing that threw me was how graphic it was and how violent. Yeah. Like within the first like 10 minutes of the movie you see like people getting decapitated and their arms getting sliced off and i'm like jesus christ this is not yeah i think i was actually watching it with my kids you know who are fairly young and i wasn't expecting that at all it's like at one (laughs) when when he has his because of his super strong arm and he pulls his bow back and shoots this guy and it just takes the arm off it's like, whoa, okay. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. The biggest, like, compliment I can give this movie is I've added, like, pretty much every Studio Ghibli movie to my HBO Max watch list now. Wow. Because I want to see more. I was like, if I, like, watch, if I commit to watch, like, all the Disney movies, which I am also doing, I might as well commit to watch these. They're fucking that first one. Even though you probably started me off with the best one, I imagine. Yeah, to me. Like, 
I still want to see them. I, I still, I enjoyed the animation style enough that I want to watch just more stories in this style. Yeah. Kind of like when I watch Klaus and like that animation style, I just want to watch more movies done like that. The older ones don't have quite as good, like as impressive animation, but there's some, some good stories in there. Like Nausicaa Valley of the Wind was one I liked too, but that's another post-apocalyptic movie. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it's all good. I liked all the characters. I liked when he got to the Iron Town run by, I forgot the lady's name, but she's this lady who runs the town, and she's she's a badass, and she like... I forgot her name, too. Her name was like Eboshi yeah, or that something. Yeah, sounds, that sounds about right. And she protects all the people in this town. She's like a kind of like a good lady in that respect. She protects all these people with defend everything but she's also at war with uh san and the wolves and yeah like san's whole goal was to like get to that town and like take this bitch out yeah and so ashitaka had to like become the kind of peacemaker and that didn't really work because he got shot and like had to use his curse to like drag these people to safety He's like they don't. They don't want to talk. <laughs> They're not into it. There's a so I don't. Know, I dug it, man. Like I liked it more than I thought I would. Billy Bob Thornton plays a short little fat guy that's uh that's intent on taking the head of the forest spirit for some reason. Yeah, that almost struck me as like a Wonder Woman eighty four, like like taking the wish stone or whatever like i don't think that's gonna work out like i don't think you're just gonna get that thing because the whole thing was like if you get the head of this spirit you become immortal yeah or whatever and i'm just like i don't see it working out that way for you you little weird fat guy with a giant boil on his face yeah he was kind of unpleasant to look at It was weird, though, because it was Billy Bob Thornton, and I recognized his voice right away, and I'm like, Billy Bob's doing a really, like, enunciating accent. Like, he's not giving his normal accent that he has in movies. He's very, like, he's reading it very deliberately. Like, I don't if you go back and listen to it, like, he doesn't have the typical Billy Bob drawl. Like, he's very precise in his delivery. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think it's uh, Jillian Anderson is the voice of the main wolf, I think. And uh, she was she was good, kind of like this ever real, really performance. But yeah, I liked all the characters. That's like the second the second I saw Son like sucking the blood out of this animal and then just like spitting it out with like blood all down her face i'm like that's a bad bitch (laughs) like right away i was like oh she's bad like this bitch is gonna be frightening yeah son rules although my favorite so i give it i was was gonna say although my favorite character is probably uh ashitaka's deer that he rides i forget the name of it yeah his deer deer was was dope as hell man that's a down ass deer I think it was like an antler. Yeah, yeah. Judging just by his antlers, it looked yeah, like something an like that. But yeah, he was cool. Yeah, I, know, I give it like a 
I'm going to give it like a solid 7.5. Again. Right. I go 8 because it's, it's one I'd rewatch and rewatch. I thought it was really good. Like I said, I was very pleasantly surprised and I've added the other Studio Ghibli movies to my list. Like, I'm curious to see, like, what else they got in store. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised by your pleasant surpriseness. To be honest, I, when I gave you that when I was... I thought it could go either way. I thought you might be pleasantly surprised or you might just hate it. So I'm glad you didn't hate it. I'm open-minded, I'm glad man. you didn't hate it. I keep an open mind, sir. Yeah, nice. And with that, I'm going to move on to, to Main Street first this week. I want to save our binge or cringe for the end this week. Okay. Because I like there will be spoilers in that that I want people to have the... I do not want to inadvertently spoil our, our Cobra Kai review for people. So I want to I wanna save that for the yeah. end for people. And... Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to Main Street this week, our double feature. Let me start out with okay. Mank. Do you want to take sure. the lead? Sure. Uh, Mank is the story of the writing of Citizen Kane. It's uh, It follows Herman Mankiewicz, a writer that uh, Orson Welles hired to write this story, and it kind of goes back between because citizen kane is it's widely known it's loosely based on william randolph hearst the uh like big newspaper magnate guy media guy and it's not a super flattering portrayal so it shows mank writing and all his obstacles while writing but it also flashes back like 10 years to when he first met william randolph hearst and it kind of goes just back and forth between those two stories and you see uh his like kind of the invention of like political propaganda like the way they would do it with lies and just actors and stuff and a lot of interesting things happening there and i just yeah overall that's the main thing it's just about the writing of citizen kane played by gary oldman you're getting better at your synopsis. I think that's better than I would have done. Yeah, Mankiewicz is played by Gary Oldman, Mank, as they call him in the movie. And it's directed by David right. Fincher, and it was written by David Fincher's father before he passed, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. And I really liked it. How about you? I believe that I'm in the minority on this one. I could barely pay attention to this movie. Ooh. I found it so boring. Like, I I almost feel bad because I feel like I should like it. I like these old Hollywood kind of movies. I like David Fincher. I like Gary Oldman. I like Amanda Seyfried. I was so fucking bored, okay. man. Like, I... I can't even give you a reason why. Just like everything they were talking about, I was like, move it along. I what's the next thing? Like I was just waiting for it to be over. Like I'm I'm glad you liked it. Like I honestly thought you were gonna hate it too. I didn't hate it. I just I was really bored. Like it was just a lot of dialogue in old timey language that I was just like 
it was not captivating. Yeah, I get that. You know, it's a. I feel like it's a subject matter and stuff that I really wouldn't be about and I wouldn't care about. I just thought it was directed so well and made so competently. See, I'm the opposite. I'm the exact opposite. Like, this is like the kind of like I love old time Hollywood stuff, like LA Confidential stuff like that, Hmm. and just it. Or like La La Land, like just old timey Hollywood references really like light me up. I enjoy it, and I was just like, this movie. Uh, I feel bad because I feel like I'm such a David Fincher mark that like, like this is like the only movie of his that I didn't enjoy. Oh, the Curious Case of Benjamin was pretty whack too. But uh. I love David Fincher, so I was so looking forward to this. I think my hopes were just too high. My expectations Maybe. were too high. Like, it just felt very up its mm. own ass. You sure that's not one that's in your head again? I feel like the whole movie, it's made to look like one of those old Hollywood movies, down to, like, the sound. It's got that little, like, crackle when people... It's, it's no, I hear And it. it's awesome. There's, right. like, a soundtrack beneath the whole thing done by Trent Reznor. Which is not, you hear the music and you're like, this doesn't sound anything like Trent Reznor. It sounds like an old-timey soundtrack. Trent Reznor doesn't have a sound anymore. He did the I know, music which, is, which shows that he's kind of, kind of, he's kind of molding himself to fit these movies, which is Absolutely. cool. I think so it's cool. Because, I mean, even when he did the Social Network, when you hear the Social Network soundtrack, you're like, yeah, it sounds like Trent. Sounds like something Trent Reznor would yeah. do. But yeah, you would never think that with the with Mank. It is weird, yeah. Like he he's such like a just nine inch nails. He's so like this grungy, artsy, like industrial guy that you would not expect him to do this kind of music. So it is kind of cool that he's like branching out and exploring new sounds. <laughs> And doing well. Yeah. But yeah, I have nothing against the soundtrack. Like, the look of it, I get it. Like, it's made to look like I'm watching fucking Citizen Kane back then. And I just... I, I was so bored. I hate myself for that. Because I wanted yeah, to I'm really sad. like it. I'm sad that you, that you couldn't... I thought it was a very... I thought Gary Oldman was really good. I thought Amanda Seyfried was almost better than I've ever seen her. Like, the performances were great. I just didn't give a fuck about what they were performing. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to give it another shot. Like I said, I really... Like, I just I really enjoyed... Hard to, like, not look at my phone. Like, I felt difficult to, like, not... Like, I had to force myself to pay attention. I really thought that whole subplot, like I was talking about with the political stuff, was very fascinating. This was, like... He's like, what do you, what, you guys can't release this stuff. These are actors and this is a script, like these political commercials, which is oddly relevant now. I thought this stuff was kind of interesting about like how Orson Welles was like, write this script for me, bro, but you will not get credit for it. Well, that's the the contract (laughs) they had. like. I know that's just a fucked up contract. That's what uh, old time. Yeah, like uh, like people like Mank 
I just think that's an awesome old person, old timey name too. Mank. Uh, that's a great sounding name for someone in the twenties. What's up, Mank? What are you doing, Mank? Yeah. And he's like this I mean, alcoholic. Like I enjoyed that he was just this. I was just about to say I enjoyed his portrayal of alcoholism. It's just this like fall down drunk who like wrote this dense fucking almost unfollowable script that the fucking producers were like, what is this shit? <laughs> like, he's like, it's I'm Mank. You get what you get. <laughs> so what would you give it? Mank? Oh. <sighs> Trying to go somewhere between maybe 7.5 or 8. I'll say 7.5. I really liked it, man. I really, really liked it. I thought it was very good. All right, man. I I think I'd go like a five point okay. five. And uh, yeah, the 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 one like a uh, guy that was running against their political candidate who was given that sp- scared of being a communist. Did you realize who that was? Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, I didn't notice. I did not <laughs> notice that. I was happy to see Charles, yeah, Charles- Dance. Charles Dance Hurst. killed it. I... Like Charles Dance, I'm always happy to see him as a child of the '80s. Like he was like my favorite back. Uh, guy. just oh, there were scenes, especially near the end. The scenes were great with the like with Orson Welles when they get in the fight because Mank ends up wanting credit. He's like, you know what, this script I wrote is really awesome, and I want credit. So Orson Welles is pissed and like punches something, and then. Mank is like, ooh, that's just what we need for the, we need a violent outburst. And then Orson Welles is like, yeah, maybe, even as mad as he was. I really liked it. I liked the the friendship between him and Amanda Seyfried. That was my favorite part. It was was very sweet. I thought the the chemistry between Oldman and Seyfried was really good. Yeah. The only, the only thing that's like, doesn't really add up is because I did a little bit of research after was like Mank was like in his early 30s when he met William Randolph Hearst and he was like 40 when he wrote Citizen Kane so Gary Oldman's like almost 70 right so the age is a little off but that's okay that's Gary Oldman you can't really if Gary Oldman's in your movie, make Gary Oldman in your movie. Just try to make him look as young as possible. Yeah. But, yeah. I liked it. All right. I didn't <laughs> love it. But, all right. Okay, yeah. On to the next one. We have George Clooney's The Midnight Sky. And that is about a man named Augustine who is sick and dying and living on a planet where life is pretty much dying out and people are are being evacuated to other planets and he's just saying like I'm already dying so I'll live on this planet and kind of communicate with people about what's going on and so like he is in this like kind of 
I don't know what you would call it, like yeah. a bunker of sorts, like a little station where he can communicate. He has like a radio and like he gets a, what's the word I'm looking for? He gets like a reception of this spaceship, this c- spacecraft called Aether. And they're like, hey, like, are you there? Like, who is this? And he's like, oh, shit. Like, I haven't got any reception from anybody. Like, you guys can hear me? Like, oh, my God. And so he's, he's like, trying to figure out how to, like, communicate with them because they can't really hear each other that well. And in the midst of all this, like, kind of him just trying to figure shit out, like, he runs into a little girl that's, like, stowed away in his little bunker area and he's like where the fuck did you come from like and then he's trying to communicate with Aether like did anybody leave this little girl who is this little girl and like he can't communicate with them so he's like fuck so it's like this old ass George Clooney who's like dying and this little girl this little like 10 12 year old girl and so they kind of start bonding a little bit like she she can't she doesn't really talk she doesn't speak so she communicates through like drawing to him and she draws like one thing i thought was weird she drew like a picture of like a flower and he's like is that iris are you iris i'm like really dude i'm like you just saw a picture of her draw a flower he's like iris is that you i'm like a little bit fucking leap but all right he was right her name's iris and so they start bonding and He's like, well, fuck, like, let me take you on my snowmobile and let's try to get to this other station where the communications are stronger and I can, like, get a better read on what's going on. And so, yeah, the movie's basically just about him and this girl trying to communicate to this other, like, life out there that, like, Earth is all bad and, like, you need to go back to jupiter where there's inhabitable life up there but he's got this girl so he's like i don't know what to do and that's basically like the moral dilemma that kind of is a through run through the fucking movie that was an awful yeah, synopsis a... but like i tried like it's, it's a, a movie. weird movie like it's hard to talk about without giving away certain plot points which we'll do now okay spoiler part what did you think about midnight Midnight sky Sky? you know i love post-apocalyptic movies i love sci-fi movies and i love george clooney and i hated this movie it was boring it was boring it was just oh i didn't i did not like it very much sir I had, I think before I'd heard All right. this movie's not great, and then I was like, this movie's not good. I just don't care about anything that's happening here. I think like the opposite of Mank, and maybe the way you felt about Mank was like, I should care about this so much. It's all up my alley, but it's just hear something because it's just boring. The way everything plays out, you know, it's weird. What? <clears throat> is that this is like not up my alley at all. I, I hate movies that take place in space. Like once 
space is involved and people are like floating in zero gravity, I lose interest. I don't know what it is. Ever since I was a kid, when it's in space, I check out. I just don't <laughs> fucking care. I don't know why that is. It's just like a personal preference. I don't care about space movies. And like the opposite happened for me in that like I normally hate movies like this. And I was really into it for like the first huh. hour or so. Like, I was really invested in, is George Clooney going to be able to, like, save this girl and get her to safety? And then the last half hour happened. Yeah, it did. And the la- the last half hour basically took a <laughs> shit in my mouth and then stepped inside my mouth and stomped it around. Because I was just like, really, dude? All right. Spoil spoilers. it, baby. Like. I was pissed, dude. The ending of this movie straight pissed me off because I was very into this relationship that he was forming with this girl and wanted to see like how that how they were going to figure that out. Like that's what kept me invested. And then he and like the final scenes of the movie, he's like communicating with one of the women on the Aether and saying like just like she says to him like oh like you're one of the reasons I became an astronaut and like my mom had these space rocks that you gave her she's like my name's Iris Sullivan and he's like I know like you're my daughter and she's like oh well fuck and then it just turns out the Iris that was with him the whole time was his (laughs) fucking hallucination imagination of like like Ah, oh, that was infuriating, dude. I was just like, how's he going to save this girl? Oh, he's not, because she's not real. It's his daughter who's on this spaceship, and that's why he cares about this spaceship. Like, get bent, dude. I had my... It was that bad. Was I had my suspicions about the, the daughter when he got lost in the snowstorm, and then she just appeared out of nowhere. He's like, oh, there you are. I was like, it's a little, a little convenient. I didn't think she was going to be that that astronaut girl and it was even when they were doing like action stuff in space when they're having to fix the communications array and there's an asteroid field hitting them and it's like for some reason it was just like this is boring everything that's happening is boring i don't care yeah like i said all all the stuff in space like didn't do anything for me it never does like even like star wars guardians of the galaxy like i love these movies but like just I'd probably like them more if they were on Earth. Like, something about being in space, like, just puts me off, and I don't understand it. I've always been that way. So, like, yeah, when they were up there and the asteroids were hitting them, I was like, get back to Clooney and the girl. I want to know what's going on there. Like, that was the story I was invested in, and that was the story that wasn't fucking real. Like, I was invested in this story for them to be like, it's not real, Joel. That's the hallucination. It's crazy Clooney. Like, figure it out. Now he's just going to die, and it's fine. And I was like, that's one way to end your fucking movie. It's like, my name is Iris. And he's like, I know. And then he dies immediately. (laughs) It's just, oof. Oof. Cornballer. I just, that was one of the biggest eye rolls of the movie for me is when she was just drawing that flower and he's like, Iris, 
is that you? And I'm like, you just looked at that and thought she's drawing an iris. <laughs> like this 10 year old just draws irises. I would have said flower like anybody else. I don't know. I was I was annoyed by the ending. Like I said, I was into it. Like I didn't think I would be because of how people were reacting to it and how you were reacting to it. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to like this. And then like 45 minutes to 50 minutes into the movie, I'm like, I want to see what happens. Like I'm invested. And then they made me not invested. They're just like, this thing you were invested in wasn't real. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. cool, thanks, movie. Yeah, usually, usually when we uh, talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast, we try to keep all anything that we feel about the movie out of it. So we're hearing it for the first time. But I just, I just couldn't keep my unenthusiasm out of it. It was like, yeah, that's something I watched. Yeah, I think I think you you texted me like you texted me like. I fucking watched fucking Midnight Fucking Sky, and I'm like, I wonder how he feels. <laughs> Maybe I fucking loved it that much, you know? But no, I didn't. Nah, dude. Like, I was bummed. Like, I was very. It it's hard to get me invested in a space movie, and this movie just fucked up other space movies for me because now I'm like, space movies are bullshit, and I don't like <laughs> Not a all space movies in like that. Like. You- People, people go crazy in these bunkers and hallucinate their children. Did you never see uh, Sandra Bullock's Gravity? Oh, God damn it, dude. Just like... I, I don't remember that movie good. that well. I remember thinking it was it was like a marvelous feat. Like, it looked amazing. I just... Yeah, hmm. I don't care okay. about space, man. I wish I did. Like, I... I I don't know what it is. Like, if a movie takes place on Earth that I can be at and relate to, like, I'm in it more. Like, when it takes place in, like, these dystopian landscapes and fucking spaceships, I'm just like, I don't, I'll never be there. Like, this doesn't matter to me, I guess. I don't know. Like, that's just always how I felt. Even since Well, I was a the kid. midnight sky isn't going to change. Like, even as a little kid, when you're supposed to love space, yeah. like, I don't. So, I don't know. I give it, like, a five. I'll go four. I wasn't into it. Not into it, sir. Do not recommend. Exactly. Four out of ten, do not recommend. The only reason I give it a five is because I was invested. Like, they did enough to keep me going, and then they just destroyed that goodwill in the last 20 minutes of the movie. So yeah, I also, yeah, 5 out of 10, do not recommend, like, unless you're super bored and super love George Clooney and want to watch everything he's in, then give it a shot. Yeah, but you did. Don't you say did I didn't warn you. And with that, we move on to Binge or Cringe, in which normally we will watch the first couple episodes of a brand new TV show and kind of, like, let you know whether or not it's worth your time, but... This week, a show that we both adore came back for its third season, and we knew we were going to watch it anyway, so I'm like, let's just, yeah, yeah we were watching. Like, I guess we'll just do Definitely. this. And, well, yeah, like, it just, 
it's hard enough to watch all this stuff we need to watch in a week anyway. If we're going to watch this on top of it, let's just let's dive into it. People want to hear about Cobra Kai yes. Season 3. And if you have not seen Cobra Kai, it is like a reboot of sorts, a reunion of sorts, like takes place 30 plus years after the events of 1984's The Karate Kid. And if you're a fan of the Karate Kid franchise and you have not watched Cobra Kai, I do not know what yeah. the fuck you are doing with your life. Because it is borderline infuriating so. how good it is. Like, it makes me pissed off at all of the other reboots that have taken place of other projects and other properties that I love that stunk. And I'm like, I don't know how they captured such lightning in a bottle with like the perfect writers and the perfect just group of people that love this series and like have such passion for these characters to create 30 years past its sell-by date an amazing continuation of this story that's even yeah, better than the I movies. agree so yeah we've we've been we've watched season three season to further elaborate, like the first season is basically Johnny Lawrence, the 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 first villain Cobra from Kai. the first Cobra Kai movie, like the the blonde bully. Oh yeah, first Karate Kid. He takes this young young boy on under his wing who lives in the same apartment complex as him, and he's like, he sees him getting beat up by a group of bullies, and he's like, stand up for yourself. Like, let me teach you how to fight. And it, like, reignites this fire in him of karate that he loves. So he, like, starts Cobra Kai up again, like the dojo that he was a part of in the first movie. And so it's very, like, it's the first Karate Kid movie flipped on its head to where, like, Johnny Lawrence is now Mr. Miyagi to this kid Miguel, who is basically Daniel. And there are so many parallels and callbacks to the first movie of just like they go to the Halloween dance and like he gets beat up by the group of bullies and Johnny Lawrence saves him instead of Mr. Miyagi. And it's it's just brilliant down to like the All Valley tournament at the end. And in the end of the first season, John Kreese comes back, the original villain of Cobra Kai, like the original Cobra Kai sensei comes back and wants to run Cobra Kai with Johnny and you cut all through season two, John Kreese is like undermining Johnny and basically stealing his students out from underneath him. So that when season two ends, John Kreese has basically taken over Cobra Kai and Johnny Lawrence now wants nothing to do with Cobra Kai. And that's kind of where we left things off is with Kreese basically taking over Cobra Kai and Johnny needing to figure out what he's going to do next. And this whole time, Daniel LaRusso, the original karate kid still, he's restarted Miyagi do karate to kind of fight the evil that Cobra Kai is going to bring to the city again. And uh, so, yeah, it's very layered, very textured, very like there's a new group of kids, but with like, Johnny and Daniel as the senseis in place of Mr. Miyagi and John Kreese. 
even though John Kreese is there too. Like it's very yes. layered and very like it's amazing. Like if you're a fan of the original movies, like it's fucking amazing, and I cannot recommend it enough. So ugh, that's a long through three seasons, like, man. You had yeah. to get there to get where we're at. Yeah. So season three. It was awesome. Let's hear it's, it. It's just continues the streak of off. You just keep going. Okay, uh, we're going full spoilers, right? All spoilers. Yeah, if you have, if you plan to watch this show and you have not yet, or have not finished season three, I implore you to turn this off now because I would hate it to is. inadvertently spoil this season it for is. you because it's great. So uh, yeah, full spoilers. I just have to get one thing. I we're gonna have to wait like over a year for more, and that kills me. Because at the end of the last, the finale, yeah. John Kreese is calling my favorite from Karate Kid 3, Terry Silver. Am <laughs> I? I can't. Oh, I am beyond yeah. excited. I, I was pretty bummed out that it took till the final seconds to get that reveal. I was like, I would have loved yeah, to see we, him. Yeah, but we got the, the scene. They were showing. John Kreese's background in Vietnam and I kind of like the reveal of Silver because it was like they showed a guy with a ponytail and I was like is that Terry Silver and then that guy gets shot in the face and another guy starts crying and their commander's like shut up Silver <laughs> oh there's that's Terry yeah, Silver that awesome. for people who aren't aware if people who haven't seen Karate Kid 3 it's a uh, Terry Silver is an evil like billionaire who uh, takes time, <laughs> takes so much time away from his billionaire business to terrorize Daniel LaRusso, this kid, because John Kreese doesn't like him. He devoted so much of his life in that movie to defeating a child. It's it's incredible. I love Terry Silver. And and speaking of more Harry stuff from the movies the from Karate Kid 2, we have, uh, what is it, Kamiko, the girl he liked? Yeah. And Chosen, the bad Kimiko. guy from Karate Kid 2. They show up again. And that was also super satisfying. Yeah, like Chosen taught him, like, he's like, these are the things that Mr. Miyagi didn't teach you. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. And, like, it was really cool. Like, it was really cool to see Chosen just, like, respects Daniel now, and he's not, like, out to get him. Yeah, it was like, it was cool to see him. Chosen completely 180. I like how they played it, where he's, like, pretends to be a jerk for the first while. And then, uh, and then he does Mr. Miyagi's little patented honk. Like, he's going to punch him and then does honk. Which yeah. makes you wonder, is that is that an official part of Miyagi-Do Karate? They have to teach you that at some point? Because Chosen. No, I think Cho- Chosen was just humiliated at the end of Karate Kid 2. So <laughs> yeah. he's like, I'm going to show you how this yeah. feels real quick. Because this has never happened to you. <clears throat> and I like that they really only spent the one episode on it because Karate Kid 2 isn't like a huge part of the canon. It's like a like like a very like standalone yeah. like they went to Japan and this happened. So like I'm glad it wasn't like a whole season like in yeah, Japan. Yeah it was a it was a very fun in, like, little thing. Valley. 
it was cool to see those characters and that moved the story along and i just i also want to say that in addition to all the original karate kid people the newcomers all the kids are fantastic too like i care about all these kids plights and i think uh, in particular yeah. uh johnny's johnny's student miguel is awesome and I, and I care very much what happens to him yeah there i do like i loved it i don't get me wrong like i think it's amazing i think it's still amazing i did have a couple of gripes that just are minor gripes okay. like because i was still fully into it but like i didn't really buy it when Johnny's son, Robbie, who was training for the first two seasons under Daniel. Like, at the end of season two, he kicks Miguel off of a balcony, putting Miguel in the hospital, and kind of went on the run. And, like, he felt like Johnny and Daniel abandoned him. So, like, that sent him, like, into the arms of John Kreese, who's like, I will teach you now. Like, I didn't buy that Robbie would do that. Like, I didn't feel like Robbie's like, yeah, like, I think Crease is yeah. my guy. Like, this is the guy I want to took. Now. But I got it still. Like, like I said, it took the whole season to set up, like, the that. stuff with, you know, you know, him and some catches her and uh, Miguel together. So he loses that, too. And then he has Tori in his ear. So I kind of get it. And I thought Hawk, like his come around to the good side was kind of unearned. Like I felt they could have done more to make that like resonate. Because he was like in the middle of beating the shit out of all these people. Then he's like, what I'm doing is wrong. And then yeah. he starts beating the shit out of all his people. But you didn't and feel at all like, hyped when it happened? happened. <laughs> I was hyped. I was like, yes, I was. when he... Not that much because i i think he's a great fucking bully like a great villain well you know he was friends with dimitri for so long and and that was naggling at him the whole thing that he broke his arm and then when they were had his arm it triggered him i got it and i liked it like i get it too like i I just i think they could have done more to make it hit harder for me i'm always fan when uh when people who are you know, opposed end up becoming like friends like Johnny and and like Hawk and Dimitri. It always it always makes me feel good in my heart. That was honestly what I thought the whole season was going to be about was Johnny and Daniel teaming up to take on Crease, but that really doesn't yeah. happen until the final seconds of the season finale. It's like they finally like combine their students and are just like here, like we're gonna be senseis together and we're gonna take yep. down John Kreese. Who like I guess does that make Robbie like the villain now, now that Hawk is not with them? And that like kind of Asian Kyler. bully guy. Yeah, like the I hate that player guy. guy. Kyler. I did like when when Hawk beat the ever loving shit out of that bully that was bullying him. Oh yeah, the, the Kyler's right hand guy, the fat guy. 
Yeah, like he was all hyped. He's like, let's go, Mohawk, let's fight. And then Hawk went in there and just with all his training, yeah. let's beat this guy mercilessly. And um, I really enjoyed the crease flashbacks to Vietnam. Like I thought it added depth to his character that wasn't there before to kind of like show yeah. why he became this person. Yeah. Because, like, he showed mercy in Vietnam to, like, the Vietnamese, and then they all ended up getting captured, and his friend got shot, and so, like, that's kind of... And his, his commander, who was started. ridiculously crease-like before crease, was like, you don't show mercy. Correct. Yeah, kind of molded him into what he was. Kind of humanized crease a little. So, and I don't know if you know this... I don't know if you know this, but like the scene with the young John Kreese as like the bellhop. That's his son in real life. The bully that beats him up. Yeah, I saw an interview. That's 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 pretty cool. I don't know why he didn't play young Kreese. I thought that was. But the guy they got to play young Kreese looked like him. He had the same build and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, Allie um, came back. Shoot, Allie uh, with an the, eye. The actress, what's her name? Shoot, it's yes, shoe. Yeah, Elizabeth Shoe. Although I, I didn't. I agree. I was, I wasn't. I, I was kind of like dreading it because Johnny had just gotten in a relationship with McGill's mother, and I'm like, don't throw that away for this, this old bitch. I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, she's not man. looking up to par these days. And I read an interview that, like, they had a contingency plan for if Elizabeth Shue was unavailable or didn't sign on to do the show. Like, they were just going to make that storyline that that Johnny was texting with Allie's ex-husband, like, the whole time, that that Allie's ex-husband was the one sending him. That would have been sad. Just catfishing him. Yeah. So yeah, she was there, and I I saw an interview today on YouTube with uh, Mike Kanan, the guy who played yeah, Mike Bad Barnes Boy Mike Barnes in the Karate Kid Part Three. And like, yeah, he's been <clears throat> he's been in contact with the uh, creators of Cobra Kai for a return. And he's been like expressing like what he would like out of his character. And like, so like now I'm hyped because I think Mike yeah. Barnes is coming back too. Like he just he mentioned like he had this idea for his character that his character would now just be like, just a total opposite of what he was. And he'll be like, just this like puka shell wearing <laughs> dork. And I'm like, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, I am, I am beyond hyped for the return of Terry Silver. Like, I'm such a Terry Silver mark. I would, if season four opened with just that, just a black screen, and then you hear an evil cackle. <laughs> that's that's how I want it to start. Hell yeah! I love Terry Silver and his laugh. I would be very very interested in that. And so. So yeah, like 
Like my friend Jen just started watching this show like last week after we said we were going to be doing this, and she watched all three seasons in a week. And I'm like, Shout you out, Jen. went hardcore, and she's like, I could not stop watching it. Yeah. She's like, I literally like could not stop. And so when she got done with the second season, she texted me. She's like, Oh my God. Like, I can't believe you had to wait a whole year for season three. I'm like, well, yeah. you get to the end of season three and you know how I feel right now. <laughs> now I got to wait a whole year for season four. And That's I another cool thing is like, is this show is so good. It makes you kind of want to go back and watch. Like those still hold up. So yeah, if you have access to the karate kid films, uh, besides next Karate Kid, don't watch that. It sucks. But watch one, two, and three. Hillary yeah, Swank. I hope, I hope they don't bring her back. I don't need. I mean, that. What if she just walked by yeah. and saw like Hawk's tattoo and was like, "Oh," and then kept walking because <laughs> she had a hawk in the movie. That was her thing. That was her thing. Uh, that yeah. would be kind of <laughs> just a gag. That'd be funny. Like if it was literally yeah, just a but don't like spend that, any time on it. But yeah, the show is so good. It Billy Zapka, William Zapka, uh, Johnny Lawrence, he carries it really. He's the main focus overall of the show, and I think he's so good. I didn't know he was so good. He was in the, a bunch of '80s movies, always usually as the bully kind of jerk guy. And I always enjoyed him in those roles, but he really in this show is like. This guy's this guy rules. He's awesome, and it kind of makes me angry. Like, where have you been for so long? Like, you're still at such a high caliber yeah. of acting. Like, where the fuck did you go? Same with like Ralph Macchio. Same with all these fucking people. I'm like, where have you been? Yeah, like, Ralph Macchio still, still awesome. got it. He's awesome too. I, I very much cannot stress enough how, like, if you don't like reboots, if you think they're whack or whatever, like, this does not fit that same bill. Like, this is, like, transcendently fucking good, especially if you're a fan of the original films. Like, it is such a love letter by people that care so deeply about these characters that, like, would not do them dirty and every episode, it just gets more and more layered and interesting. And like, it's, I agree. It's chef kiss. Amazing. I love it. Binge it or cringe it, binge it. So, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, binge or cringe. I've watched fucking all 10 episodes within the first 12 hours. Yeah, I had to, like, I could not stop. I had to wait until this my is, family was all gathered together binge. because we like to watch it together. So that's why I just finished a little while ago, but so good. I'm glad you did. Oh I, yeah. I that was <laughs> when that happened. I really liked in the flashback how it showed why Terry Silver is so indebted to, to a uh, crease. Cause it always was weird to me that, he took so much time out of yeah. his life to go to the All Valley <laughs> Under 18 tournament and make it his mission. 
Well, yeah, I remember when he called him in Karate Kid 3 and he showed up and he's just like, I yeah. just saved my ass and Nam so many times I couldn't say no. So, yeah, that's, that's our show for you this week. And next week for you, we will have another edition of Free Consideration. We will be watching the new Fox animated series from the creators of Bob's yeah. Burgers, uh, The Great North, as well as Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island and the new Netflix film Peace uh, of Thanks Woman. for listening, everybody. Any parting words, Appreciate Cameron? it. Yeah, thanks, guys.